I was going out with this boy and he said there's this song that really reminds me of you and uh, he was like oh my god it just so reminds me of you because you're like really feminist and that and then he played it and it was that song that was like don't tell me what to do <laughs> tell me what oh. to say yeah and I've just lived by that for Kate Blanchett does an Armani advert with that in the background yeah you don't own me <laughs> I am not one of your little toys or something I was yeah. like yeah that's me you know <laughs> It's a really specific song. Hey, it's Randy. And Leo. With Petitical Correctness. It's 2020. Let's unpack that with a Kimberl Grey. Why are you so obsessed with me? We're not. <laughs> We're not, honey. Boy, I want to know. <laughs> anyway. So, we are going to be talking about obsession today. Yeah. Um, we know you're obsessed with us and we thought we'd address that. Mm. Miranda really wanted to open with that. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> cool so she stuck it in. <laughs> You're obsessed with me. And also, I just thought like it would be a good, nice, safe space to talk about how Leah's so obsessed with me. <laughs> so obsessed with Blanchett. She wished I was obsessed with her. <laughs> nice safe space. Um, but on on the real side of things. I've just been watching that word get thrown around recently and it's never in a good context. Um, so I thought we should really address that and uh, see see what tea we can bring up on that. Mm, yeah. And we definitely have a different perspective to look at it for you guys, <laughs> for real. So we be- both began, well, I began, and then <laughs> Randy followed, um, <laughs> with a TED Talk by El- Elizabeth Isabel O'Carroll. And... Her TED talk was just, why do we get crushes? It's not the best TED talk that I've ever heard. No. But like... But it was the best sort of spin on it. Yeah. Yeah. It sparked ideas. For sure. So she sort of went through this whole like scale of crushing and she got to obsession and it was actually quite interesting because she brought up a bunch of stuff we do when we're obsessed. Uh, me and Randy will have a bunch of those stories to tell you later about our own things. I literally feel like, especially for us, I feel like it's character traits of ours. Like, I know that people say it about me and I say it about you. Mm. Like, we fall in love with everyone. Everyone, everything, romanticize. All the time. <laughs> you have to start romanticizing that. But it's, but it's got me. It's got me in trouble. Like, I've... Oh, yeah. Like, I've <clears> definitely <throat> romanticized situations that, like, people have just not thought that much about. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? And they're like, no. Well, I literally remember one time we were leaving the um, Tyneside Cinema... And you were like, oh, Leah, do you remember when we went to Stack? That was the first time I went there. And I said, yeah, with your mum and your dad and your family friend. And she was like, okay, I was trying to romanticise it, but whatever. <laughs> but wasn't it cute? She was like, wasn't it just so precious? I was like, I mean, it was like a family outing that I tagged along. <laughs> but yeah, me and you, yeah. <laughs> she was like, it was special. <laughs> That's just one of the examples. But anyway, so... Um, she went into, which we're going to go into as well, she talked about the sort of demonization of women desire. And that was sort of massive for me because we are so quick to rush into labels of like, you're obsessed, you're like crazy about this person when it can just be desire. And she said, because we sort of infantilize crushes Whereas she did this like questionnaire on people and who had had obsessions, and the majority of were women, like above girl age, and um, because of the stereotype of like man as pursuer and women 
as pursued. I'm not going to just completely repeat a whole, whole dead dog. But um, <laughs> she was like, women rarely, 25% of her women in her questionnaire had made the first move. Yeah, we never make the first move. And it's, it's well, sorry, that's, I know that's a stereotype. But we mm. like there's this whole thing about women feeling as though they do need to be the pursued because like that's what we've always known. But then like surely if you suppress mm-hmm. emotions so much because you always feel like you need to be the pursued, like that's just going to end up, catastrophically and it's like she literally said she started with defining crush and she was like well ironically the first definition of crush that comes up is a brief oh no um is a deformative deforming pulverizing force (laughs) um or compressing forcefully and she was like ironically that fits my idea of crushes more than like a brief infatuation with someone because you internalize it and then you don't express it and then you're just obsessed with them and it leads to various behaviors <laughs> which we need to discuss we need to talk about that women y'all don't need to be doing that um <laughs> especially like over lockdown we've all had time to overthink and like when you've got overthinking time then you've got time to like imagine and romanticize someone in your head so much more like it's like that thing about absence makes the heart grow fonder and you've got when you've got someone (laughs) in your mind and you're just overthinking and then they just become like some sort of god in your head i have definitely had someone in my mind (laughs) well when i when i used to have i used to fancy this guy so much and then we had a massive like time apart and we used to just text all the time Mm. and then I was like, absolutely, I thought I was in love. I was just like, I couldn't stop thinking, I couldn't eat. I was just so like, I was just so like, oh my God, he's amazing. I'm just a little mouse (laughs) next to him. And then I met up with him and he was, it's not a bad thing, but he was just really short. And in my head, he was really tall. Um, I'm not saying anything about small people. (laughs) I'm five foot three. I love small people, but, but it does dispel. But you know I mean, like in my the head, sort of enchantment. Yeah, that in they my have head, in he was like so tall and like so big, and actually, like. Well, it's like I've been saying, like there's this one person I've been relatively obsessed with over lockdown. Haven't seen her since, and I keep saying to Randy, like if I saw her, I would lit. It would be dispel. Like it wouldn't be a thing. But it's just because I don't have that. that yes. Yeah. That I can't sort of break that obsession because I just have this other her in my head that's just like levels upon levels upon levels but it also it's made so much worse with instagram as well (laughs) and that's something i hadn't even thought about like when it's over you've got people's best versions of themselves on instagram and then you're sitting at home like it just feeds into your complex of that person Yeah, yeah like you know um so it really isn't very helpful but um so yeah That was her TED talk, basically. So we were going to go into... And she was talking about how we have to have the Goldilocks conditions of, like, being infatuated with someone. So you can't be, like, too slutty with them. You can't be too shy because you'll never get anywhere. You've got to be just right. And what is that just right is basically just being silent about Mm. it and waiting for them to sweep you off your feet, which never happens, guys. No. (laughs) (laughs) If y'all waiting, it don't happen. I mean, it might. If you fancy sweeping me off your feet, is what she's saying. <laughs> Get in I'm here, but you do have to be of a certain age <laughs> because I have certain likes, and and you probably won't fit it. Um. Anyway, so right. So the definition. We'll begin here. The definition of an obsession is an idea or a thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes a person mind. Person's mind. Now, obviously, if you're thinking about that, that can cover 
objects, people, thoughts. It doesn't have to be a person. It doesn't have to be a love thing, mm-hmm. which we're also going to. And then a crush definition is a brief but intense infatuation for someone, especially someone unattainable. <laughs> Y'all know about that unrequited love. Out. <laughs> also, what you were saying about, like, you were away from that guy when you were texting him. Mm-hmm. And you got, like, obsessed with him. I remember... She won't mind me saying this. Hopefully. It's totally fine. Um, this girl <laughs> no I knew, she went on... She had, like, a gay best friend. And they were, like, really cutesy, like, um, in school. And then she went on a holiday in, like, I don't know, year 11. And she <laughs> she was texting me and she was like, I think I'm in love with him. And I was like, are you really? She was like, I just every time I think about him, I can't stop smiling. And I was like, well, have you talked to him? And she was like, no. She was in love I with him. I thought you were talking about me. So I was so confused. <laughs> she was like, just say it. Say it to my face. Say my name. <laughs> no, 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 no. So she was like, I'm in love. I'm in love with him. And then she came back and she was like, oh, <laughs> totally dispelled it was just completely out of nowhere because she never loved him when he was here yeah. she was here with him it was just when she was on holiday thinking about him and she was like it makes me smile what can i say i think it is genuinely just when like you're bored for real you can you can have crushes literally out of boredom like i know that there's some like it's like <laughs> it's like me falling in love with people i haven't even met yet from central i'm just like wow or you falling amazing. in love with people that you've had intense eye contact with outside of her. outside of willies <laughs> she's like Leo, i don't think you understand so it was a soulmate that... connection i'm so sad that that didn't work out if you're listening i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say his name no <laughs> Well, you wouldn't even want him anyway. No, it never worked out. It actually, yeah, you should never go through. If you ever find your soulmate, just leave just it. Just leave it at that. Leave it. Which we're literally going to get on It's onto. about like how people say, like, never meet your heroes. Never. And me and Miranda, we're just going to put it out here. My obsession currently is Kate Blanchett. And I'm saying currently, but it'll probably be for the rest of my life. And your obsession is... Christine and the Queens. Like, for real, for real. But we've year. both agreed that it would go catastrophically. I could not meet. I think her. didn't you even say to Immy like if you get an if you get the chance. <laughs> I, I said something like if you're thinking about getting me a meet and greet with Christy and the Queens, cancel it. Don't do it. <laughs> I never want like I would only ever want to meet her in like a creative capacity. Like if we were doing something together. If like, you were if equals. I was, if I was directing her music video. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. I would never, never want to meet her as a groveling fan. fan. Nah. No. Oh my god. Just no, the idea no, that no. I know that she'd never remember me, and she'd she'd she wouldn't fancy me either. No, it would just be you. Just she be wouldn't fancy like me. My little... French is too bad. Well, it's like Randy's always like because she's seen me around the people I've been obsessed with, and she's like, you just go like stone. It's cold. so funny when Leah fancies someone because she she's like mean to them, but like not in like a flirty like. Mm, wait, she's like she's fully will ignore them point blank I am the most indifferent like you could walk off a cliff and I would show no emotion yeah, like she's like oh my god like I don't even care about you like go away and I'm like literally, Leah I've literally had the people I'm obsessed with be like oh god having to meet me like poor you like I know it's a chore for you and I'm like on the inside I'm like my heart is bursting for you and on the outside I'm like yeah you're really taking my time so can you make this quick (laughs) you like you like try not to look at them and you just and then when you do you're like what (laughs) you're looking at me what are you looking at me for it's so bad so I would never want to meet Gage Blanchett because I I just if you think that Leo fancies you because she's been nice to you you're so wrong wrong. (laughs) you're probably actually very low on the list (laughs) it's not a compliment (laughs) But yeah, so we've been thinking about this whole obsession and how crazy it makes you. But then, 
Um, I read this book called Perv, um, and there's a, it's a longer title, but the first word's Perv, and it's by Jesse Bering, and it emphasizes the danger of shaming a sexual orientation. But I've been thinking about, we've been thinking about, um, emphasize, um, emphasizing the danger of shaming and obsession, because when you, like we've said, compress something that you are feeling so strongly, and like, what's her name, Isabel says, <laughs> oh, Carol, um, when you suppress something that you're feeling so much, it's just, it just, it's dangerous. Because the more you suppress it, and y'all will know if you've had a crush, the more you ignore it, you're not going to be saying that, but I, I did the quotation. <laughs> <laughs> She's just in quotation marks everywhere. The more you quote, end quote, ignore it, um, the more it just completely takes over your life. And also, the more you feel shameful about it, the more it will lead to dangerous behaviour. <clears throat> and so Bering's whole thing, premise in his book is we should measure morality by the harm it causes, which is controversial. And I wouldn't u- universalise that. But... We- I do think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to... I don't think it's a topic I really want to talk about because I don't know enough about it. But it's kind of like uh, this idea that people who are attracted to children mm-hmm. need help like they need help yes. you need to talk about that like it's not a cr- like it's the crime isn't being a pedophile it's taking action on that for real and i think we really need to think about that i mean obviously we're not going to advocate for yeah that obviously right. like i don't but obviously i don't think pedophilia is right in the, in the slightest no. of course it's completely wrong but absolutely but as someone that causes, so it's like if you are a closeted person or have been closeted in the past i have been um except i didn't really come out ever because i don't assign labels to myself but um <laughs> alternative <laughs> ambiguous creative um but if you have experienced that you will know how like bad that is for your mental health to be sat there not expressing yourself but also like you know you can imagine if society doesn't accept you and shames you for your thing you're never going to reach out and get that help and then it will turn into yeah. dangerous behavior so we've been thinking, you know, apply that to obsessions. Yeah, the, the massive stigma that surrounds even just the word obsession. Yeah. Like, surely we should be talking about our obsessions. Like, even saying, why are you so obsessed with me is a, is a microaggression almost of shaming. Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with me? And it makes you feel weird. It makes you feel intrusive. It makes you feel like you know too much about our life that isn't yours. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my little, my little confession time, and we've both already said this, but I am an obsessive person. I don't think, honestly, it's kind of what bonds us. <laughs> we really... And obviously, with being obsessive, leads to possessiveness and jealousy. It can lead to that. And it did lead to that. When I was basically all the way through high school, um, and I still have traits, it's not like something I ever get on top of, but I've always thought my worst sort of personality trait is I can be really jealous and possessive and really kind of almost controlling. I'm not, I'm not a, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm actually like handcuffed right now (laughs) (laughs) i'm forcing her here (laughs) but um and that is just one way obsession can manifest itself but it doesn't have to be the way that obsession manifests itself and i literally we we should probably say like we're obviously not advocating like dangerous obsession like i just think that it should be okay to talk about feeling obsessed and like reaching out to people talking about it like obviously it's not okay to like act on obsession in in a creepy way yeah um but yeah you're right 
Sorry, and continue. it's no, it's true. And but we're gonna be talking about how you can rechannel that into something else. Like I remember having FaceTime conversation with my best friend and being like, I um and we're gonna talk about using these labels, but I literally referred to myself as a sociopath because I was just very heavily infatuated with a girl. And I felt so like infatuated with her and I was just like I'm so intrusive I'm so controlling I'm so jealous every time she talks to someone else and we can be so quick to run into these labels which not only demeans the experience of those who actually have that label but it also puts yourself in a place where you're judging yourself for just feeling something and honestly I don't think I can think of in a situation where you should ever do that you have thoughts and your mind isn't something that you can automatically control even meditation is not about controlling the thought it's about redirecting the thought but also remembering that you should take responsibility absolutely as well so like if you are feeling like jealous and or like possessive you can't then just, just say, be like oh that's just that's me. just how that's I my am. mind like you yeah. also it's also you've You've got to take responsibility for your actions. You've got to work on that. But, like, it's okay to feel like that. You just need to... That's just... Redirect. It's all about redirecting, rerouting your brain into what would be the appropriate thing to manifest Mm -hmm. out of that thought that you've had. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. Um, And also, y'all will probably understand i mean you might not but if any of you've been in the fangirl culture which <laughs> i was yeah <laughs> i love this part about your life because i wasn't i wasn't here for this but I oh god <laughs> doesn't you wish you was i wish i, knew I think you. we all wish we knew me when i was making downton abbey fan edits <laughs> <laughs> joke sorry it's it's nothing to be ashamed of i just wish nothing i knew i just wish i knew you then to be honest when you so hear this sweet. about me and you know me now, you're like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> so of course she was. I mean, I don't know if, I, I had many different names, but if any of you know me as um, Downton Be My Dockery, or, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I also influenced other people to make Downton Abbey fan accounts, um, including my best friend and a girl that was in my maths class. So, you know, it's catchy, but that it's was creative. my first outlet for an obsession. And my first ever obsession that I can think of is Downton Abbey because I was into it quite young. Um, uh, but specifically within Downton Abbey was Lady Mary Crawley. Again, I don't know how I didn't know. I wasn't straight. Um, <laughs> but that just wasn't something I thought I I was. <laughs> um, and then I had a brief um, infatuation with Adelaide Kane in Rain, but I also made another fan account for that. By the way, these are all, if you stalk me hard enough, you'll find them. Really? Yes. Oh my God, I no. believe I haven't done that yet. Mine is like, I have an <laughs> evening of fun then. <laughs> Um, you will find them because they're not all taken down. Um, because I was quite proud of the edits, actually. I mean, it, it, they really were quite Well, that's good. what I mean. It's a creative outlet as well. It's a creative outlet. And um, I also had fun accounts for Hunger Games roleplay, Down Diver roleplay, and um, etc. Whale culture? Whale culture. <laughs> fan edits. Whole, oh, the whole culture. <laughs> I also had whale culture. <laughs> I was such a fan of the whole whale culture. <laughs> the whale culture that just went around on, no. <laughs> now that, yeah, no. But don't shame obsessions, Miranda. <laughs> if I was, that's no, okay. No, I know. You I, should see my whale edit. If, if you are, if you've made a fan account uh, for whale culture, please let us know. 
please tag us. We we will share your creative outlet. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for it. <laughs> and then, obviously, this sort of just... So, I was, you know, I have a whole history of just pouring my whole self into these things that I'm watching, that I'm reading about. And then my first ever love... God bless my little soul. Lasted four goddamn long years. And, um, yeah, it was quite obsessive. Because it just... When you're in love with someone, it just, like, completely... Mm. But I was quite full on. I mean, I knew... I knew from day one, I was like, I am in love with you. And, like, I was in year nine. So you can understand why this girl was like, are you sure? from day one? Well, no. Because, ironically, I was still... (laughs) closeted and literally i was literally homophobic oh yeah okay yeah i remember this (laughs) that's the best thing to do to a homophobe make them fall in love with the same sex but um so i called it for ages and my best friend can laugh at this but the great the great appreciation and i used to be like i have a great appreciation for this this friend that i have and then the only it took us so long to understand what it was because i was reluctant to call it anything that was going to go against my religion at the time. Um, And so I just kept being like, yeah, I have a great appreciation for this person, this person, this person. Um, And then she was like, why have you never had the great appreciation for me? And I was like, I almost gagged. I was like... uh, It's completely different. I was like, no, it's not that. And she was like, oh, God bless you, you're gay. (laughs) And I'm not. But um, she got, she kind of hit the nail on the head. And that's when I realised that it was what it was. Mm. Um, Kate Blanchett is now the love of my life. <laughs> um, I feel like you've got a good, you've got a good like way of outletting your like, obsession. Like no, yeah. like I mean maybe not with like the person that you were in love with, who was like your friend. Mm. But I think like to be fair, what is the right way to outlet? Exactly, that? that's really <laughs> difficult. But I think like when it comes to like your obsession with like famous people or like shows and stuff i like the way that you use your instagram as like quite Mm. like a creative outlet because i just cry (laughs) i don't cry but i'm just like i get myself overwhelmed i just get so overwhelmed like well to be fair something that um comes with my obsession with kate blanchett is i have found myself scrolling down her awards section of her wikipedia which, by the way, is a couple of screenfuls long. And she's only 51. Wow, we do love her, man. And I am I get constantly, like, I die, I resurrect, I die, I resurrect. Every time I think about that awards list, I'm just like, oh, this one. I'm just like, I've literally texted. I have emailed my teachers. <laughs> I have talked to my teachers about how I will never be of Kate Blanchett caliber. And all the time they're like, Leah, you don't need to be the next Kate Blanchett, you need to be the next Leah McLean. And I'm like, yeah, I get that, but also Kate Blanchett. So that's like where my yeah, unhealthiness you've comes with always got to keep a, pe- keep a piece of yourself. Yeah, I think I really struggled with that in real life. I don't, I feel like I was, I was in a relationship with someone. I wouldn't necessarily put the word obsessed on it, but I feel like we, de- I definitely was obsessed with like, um like getting respect from him Mm. and so i think like i lost a lot like when we broke up the first time i lost a lot of myself Mm -hmm. because you put so much of yourself in someone else and you just become like 
them an extension yeah of an, extens- an extension an extension of their identity um so it's so it is a dangerous thing um you've always got to keep a piece of yourself to yourself you do and i think i personally wouldn't be in the right place to think about um obsession if i hadn't gone to therapy for <laughs> if i hadn't um if i hadn't had so many obsessions in my life if i haven't just jumped like i literally wrote down here i can't remember a time since Downton Abbey that I haven't been obsessed in something because I personally just I can't imagine living any period of my life with not something that I'm wholly invested in so I was gonna say I'm also quite obsessive in nature as well as just being obsessed with things um my best friend said once to me she said um you feel so hard it'll suck in the bad moments but it'll make the good moments like a high like an absolute like and it's true i think obsessive people in nature have it's like almost like a one to ten scale instead of a one to five scale like you just feel stuff so hard and obviously it hurts but it also just like i mean if you read my journal from the period where i was in love with this girl it's just like every day is roses (laughs) like i'm just living in an absolute cloud nine state and obviously, when that ended, <laughs> the journal isn't so happy. But, you know, it does transpire into your feelings. However. But I also, I hate the fact that people try and dampen that. Mm. I, like, I remember being, like, I got really upset about things that weren't right in my relationship. And I would just be told to chill. It was just like, just chill. Like, it's chill, Miranda. Just chill. And that word stuck in my head because I was like, I'm so not chill. I'm so not, like, I'm not cool. I'm not, like, I can't be just, like, relaxed and, like, calm and, um, like, like I'd really like to be. And the word, like, being told to chill is the is a horrible, horrible thing to say to someone. Never tell anyone It's It's, like... Ever. My emotions looking back in hindsight like my emotions were completely valid and the way that i was expressing them the way that i was expressing them were co- was completely valid and i know i'm a i am a dramatic person i'm going to drama school <laughs> i am a dramatic person but like i think being like yeah dampening people's emotions is like a real furthermore if you traumatizing if thing. you do think of like an emotion from a, you can experience an emotion on a one or you can experience it to a 10 and you know, as long as it's not harming anyone, why can't you experience it to a 10? Why do you automatically get, like, over-dramatic, like, melodramatic? If you are feeling pain and you want to take it to the 10, you take it to the 10, as long as you get back up. But I I also think, like, I don't know, we we spoke a bit about this as well, like, um, like, what is life if you don't, if you don't romanticize this is literally here yeah what? life is way too goddamn short not to get obsessed yeah and not to be dramatic if, if you don't you feel just... things then what what i mean obviously you know live your life oh you want to whatever if y'all are really bland on obsessed people then fine i hope you're having a good time but like what yeah like what is the... <laughs> like you go out there and get up there <laughs> but what is the like what is the point in in all your experiences if you don't feel them if you completely if you don't just like drop yourself it. in it and submerge yourself because that's the only way i can really 
get inspired by something personally. That's a me thing. But I need to be... It's like when me and Randy were thinking about this podcast, I was like, okay, if we're going to do it, though, I have to be, like, days straight. I need to focus a lot on it because I need to be in that, like, mindset. I need to be obsessed with it. And I am. (laughs) We're here. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, if you find yourself completely entranced by a person, um, then embrace it. Um, Don't reject it because believe me that fuels it now obviously as we've been saying we're going to go on to how you should express that obsession but don't stop yourself from feeling it because a eight-minute life is just too short it's way too short like if you love Kate Blanchett firstly dm me and secondly (laughs) feel it (laughs) it's happier also ladies we're far too quick to rush into the labels of and trigger warning um for mental health issues are they yeah um sociopath psychopath psycho bitch and crazy because um as i'm saying here not only does that minimalize the experiences of those who genuinely suffer under those labels i mean psycho bitch isn't a mental health illness um i personally suffer under that label <laughs> um but i mean it's not a mental illness it's almost but it stems from psychopath yeah it's a derogatory term a derogatory yeah. term also you shouldn't you shouldn't call yourself that girl <laughs> don't, don't be calling yourself that and it often is what you get called mm. by, I know, yeah, we know people who have been called that. Um, but also it damages the experience, an experience which can be life-transforming and beautiful, which I is mean, what... I mean, an end of a relationship, like, obviously depending on your situation, but, I mean, it can be classed as trauma, and, like, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't notice that, but, like, these massive events that happen in your life, like, they can affect you, and we should just talk about that it's not it's nothing to be ashamed about if i think about the times i have most changed in life it has been like i don't know the end of an obsession Mm -hmm. or during an obsession because i think a lot of the times we see something we need in the things we're obsessed with and we grow within it (laughs) (laughs) she's proud of that one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and also god was so quick to condemn desire female desire specifically that's where those labels are rushed into um embarrassing ruins things so goddamn bad embarrassment yeah yeah if you sat there crippling embarrassed by expressing your obsession like i wouldn't let anyone in school anyone <laughs> <clears throat> know about my downton abbey obsession when it was something that made me so 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 happy mm-hmm. and it was just a lot of who i was which is why it helped me a lot to find a whole group of people that shared that obsession. I mean, having said that, with my Kate Blanchard obsession, I get quite insulted when I find a group of people that have that because it makes me feel less unique. <laughs> no, but also, I do feel like it, I've, nev- I've never been part of a fandom. Like, not really, anyway. Oh, my God. Actually, She's lying. She's I'm definitely so got a fan account. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so lying. At one point, I totally forgot about this until right now, but at one point I was part of the Jackson Wilson fan club. No way! Yeah, and I don't even know why. I mean, I do know What why. do you mean fan club? So online? Like, there was a Jacqueline Wilson club online, and there was, like, a forum. But I, I was never I was never really part. <laughs> <laughs> I never really, like... Don't I'm, be ashamed. No, Safe I'm, space. I'm not even ashamed, though. Like, I never actually got involved in it. So I don't... I would never have classed myself as part of a fan of a fandom. Mm. But I think there's... I don't know. When it comes to Christine, Christine and the Queens, for me... Um, I don't, I'm not only obsessed with how amazing she is. I'm not only obsessed with 
her like artistic taste and her clothes and her like performance and her <laughs> songs and her poetry i'm like i find it like it's something for me i don't know i mm. i don't feel like no, i relate I to you totally on like wanting a collective experience on that i love the fact that she well no that's how i am thing. with kate how yeah I'm, like i don't particularly like to buy into other people's at the same freedom. time though i loved i love sharing christine with you it's true we yeah but I think Miranda really loves sharing it with me because she knows she is still the most obsessed with Christine. <laughs> yeah, but I just, she still I has think, the badge of top think, fan. But I think like when we when like when we do dance the Christine stuff, like when we She's saying this, when she FaceTimes me and makes me dance to Christine <laughs> during quarantine, like, yeah, can we do a dance? Can we please? literally yeah. learn the moves to this dance? Which I did. We did actually learn the dance routine. <laughs> Alongside juggling and whatnot. <laughs> but it is, it's something... When I shared that with you, I loved doing that. But I also, I've tried to, I've, I would only share that with people that I feel like I'm close to. And, and when it gets... Yeah, when it's rejected. Like we were talking about before, I didn't mention, like, when, when somebody... When you're shaming, yeah. Yeah, when you shame someone's obsession, I've had someone be like... Someone really close to her. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, well, that's a bit shit, or... You know who you were. <laughs> Someone really close to me being like... Someone with bad taste. <laughs> being like, I, like, this is shit. Or, like, not engaging in it and... Watching the first five minutes and <laughs> just... This is too close to him. <laughs> Let me just get real specific for you. <laughs> I'm actually tearing up just thinking about it. <laughs> the thing is, it affected her so much that she came and told me quite upset about it. I she was, was upset like, about it. Like, that's my creative outlet right yeah, there that you're yeah. she's that's my ego that you're stroking <laughs> <laughs> but like you know <laughs> respect people um on the concept of condemning women's desire um i feel like it's quite a christocentric view but not only christocentric um um the loathing of the body of lust and desire um and also in mythology you have the whole women were the Achilles heels of all the heroes oh not all of them but what the fuck am I saying oh okay yeah you mean like women who like it's always their um Hamasha is e- um look who's the English student <laughs> who didn't drop out in a level <laughs> Hamasha is like women is the fact that they desire women that they desire women and also like there's the whole Madonna, Madonna whore complex, complex. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting on to our um of you know women desire so either you're like a whore you're over obsessed or you're Madonna and you've never had an obsession in your life Mm -hmm. and then also the concept doesn't even add in also but the concept that obsession can really be core to your identity definitely has been to mine and as much as we can dwell I have heard people say you know, Leah, you're kind of obsessed with, like, middle-aged white women. Maybe it's a mummy issue. Maybe it's a daddy issue. And is there any... It, unless you are affecting someone, is there any point in analysing someone For real. Things? Like, this is from someone else's therapy session, but they told me about it. They said, sometimes a cigarette is a cigarette. And that just means, yes, it could be a whole Freudian complex. You know, you have mummy-daddy issues. But even if that is the point what comes from dwelling on that 
and what comes from sort of feeling ashamed because of where it comes from. Mm. An emotion is still an emotion. I mean, you could analyse every goddamn obsession you ever have, every feeling you have, why am I feeling this way, am I a jealous person, am I this, am I that, and the other, until the clouds come home. But it's not helpful. No. And like we said, there's so much beauty if you redirect that into things. Now, Randy and I have been reading the same books in quarantine because we are that gross PDA couple that everyone <laughs> um, And we've read two books in specific that reminded us. should have brought it back us. for you, sorry. You should have. Well, You're Carol's here. Tomorrow. It's fine. But um, I don't know if y'all have heard of The Price of Salt or Carol by Patricia Highsmith. Yes, did I learn about it because Kate Blanchett stars in the film? Yes, but um, I'm very obsessed with this film. I'm telling you, I've watched it 30 times over, for real, for real, and read the book twice. Um, but the whole, the whole coming into being of that book was that the woman who wrote it, she was shopping one day or something, and she saw this woman... She's very open about it. She's very open about it, which is what got me thinking. Why for the time? Yeah, this was written in 1962, and it's a full-on lesbian romance of this woman just completely infatuated with an older woman. There's even an age gap, and the woman's married. It's the best book. Um, It's (laughs) so scandal. I know. Don't even get me started. But the whole because she writes in the blurb, she's like, "This is why I wrote it." Um, she followed this woman home one day from work because she was not just condoning not condoning that. She was entranced with her and she just watched her for like a while, which is creepy as fuck. But she channeled, channeled that into a book, a really amazing book. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a really honest book about Therese's obsessions with a woman that was the whole thing and that and that's part of why it became so successful so many people were able to identify with it yeah when do you ever and especially I, I'm assuming in that a period uh, if you're a woman who's been infatuated with women call it the great appreciation what you will reading a book like that and knowing you are not the devil's spawn for being obsessed with a person that is the same sex probably saved lives I'm not gonna lie Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had read something like that when I was younger, it definitely would have would have done some stuff for my little my little heart. And Bless also Christopher her. Isherwood. Now, if you've read him He's a single man. A single man. Um, or any of his other books, you will know that he is a very honest writer. He you know, when actors are like, I wanna portray the truth, that is my core, that's his like to the T. Now, half of what he writes makes me feel uncomfortable because he's so honest yeah also <laughs> if you are gonna read his books half of what he writes is very stuck in his, yeah. his day he he has some questionable descriptions yeah but he's so honest with his obsession with young boys <laughs> um, <laughs> um but he writes it so candidly that it almost gives a platform for anyone who's ever been obsessed to accept where they are at at the time so and also he's an amazing writer because of it if he was hiding any of it you know he probably wouldn't be as good a writer and Mm. i know in his second christopher and his kind which is the second of lions and something a cupboard or something um i'm thinking of lions which in the wardrobe (laughs) that's not it but there's a line in the title um he writes i was not honest in my first book and i want to be honest in this book and it is a better book have you seen the film of a single man no 
I want to see it. Sorry, I haven't seen it. I want to see it too because he writes about yeah, it in the. Yeah, I read the intro. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the guy. Um, so obsessive people make amazing writers, and also Randy and I were thinking about the concept of even making a film, and how you can almost use a camera as a metaphor for obsession. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. and so if you think about film makers they are obsessive to a t when you are almost i remember in my art interview she was saying stuff about like you have such an obsessed an obsession with detail and that's why i'm sort of i'm gonna take you because we need people that are obsessed with the tiny things and if you want i mean i'm so basic but martin scorsese in the aviator specifically his attention to minute details and also whoever is the genius that made the film Call Me By Your Name, which Randy skipped over because she's not appreciative. Um, what? <laughs> you haven't watched Call Me By Your Name properly yet. <laughs> what? <laughs> she's like, actually, that'd be true though. His attention to detail. I do love the film though. I've, I've watched most of it. <laughs> yeah, because that's the mark of loving a film. Watching most of it. Walking out halfway through. But the concept of making a film about someone. I write a lot. I'm a poet. <laughs> But I write a lot when I'm sort of, as a sort of way to deal with obsession. And often my poems end with, I'm going to make a film about you. Because for me, the most, in, in my head, just the epitome of expressing an obsession is to be a filmmaker. Because only you, the obsessor, will know if, you are If the, the filmmaker was not obsessed with the characters, it They'd would not be a good portray film. the character. Yeah. If whoever... Oh, I know his name. The guy who made Carol, I literally know his name, obviously because I've watched all the interviews. Anyway, the guy who made Carol. Oh my God, you're gonna. You're it's gonna kick I know yourself. I am. What's his name? I have no idea. I know him. Not Woody Allen. Don't look it up. Yes. I literally, when I see it, I'm gonna be like, I'm. Sorry, guys. One second. Todd Haynes <laughs> when if Todd Haynes was not obsessed because he was on low budget too so he was using those frames to capture exactly what he thought those people were mm. and you would only get that from being obsessed with those people it's what makes an amazing performance as well like I loved there was something you said when we were talking about this once about how the camera is so obsessed with these characters and their lives and you don't even think about that but like as uh, performer like in shows that I've been in I, I, I mean I can't give like I'm, I've been amazing in this I'm just mean like I just I do feel <laughs> I just feel like my best performances have come from or or the, the performances that I think that I've done best in are the ones where I've fully been obsessed with my character like uh, like just fully obviously you fully become the character but when you mm. fully fully are invested in a show and obsessed with a show obsessed with your own character and that can be whatever i mean i've been like that since i was little i used to mm. learn everyone's lines and like it's what makes a good show and it's same for a theater ma- a theater maker and a filmmaker like if they're not obsessed with the little details then and artists yeah yeah i mean it's what makes good art it is, is the obsession with detail 
and the candidness of that obsession. And I can imagine even if you were to approach a character, understanding the character's obsessions mm. and being obsessed with their obsessions, which like it's like you know in Avatar where they get the like soul and they link with the hair, that would be it <laughs> for me in my head anyway. <laughs> That's a bunch of my writing about it. I mean, Randy and I were just thinking about how when you become that obsessed with someone, you can almost feel like an intrusion, especially if it's not reciprocated. An intrusion because you know too much about a life that isn't yours. And I think that's where we get the shame from. When we feel like we know almost too much about someone or something, that you're just too tied to them. And that's when you begin losing your identity, as we've been saying. When you become what you are obsessed with um i do i seriously it's a massive piece of advice mm. Wait, like, what's the advice the massive piece of advice is do not like always keep a bit of yourself always yeah i remember when i was trying to disentangle myself with this person um i really had to a lot of finding myself was you have to think about what you personally have been through a lot of finding myself was also thinking about what I'd been obsessed with before that obsession because you'll find a lot of who you were in those other things. Um, but also... Well, do you remember when we were talking about when we'd, when we'd been um, really close with someone and then breaking that off and then feeling as though you couldn't have the likes that you'd gained yeah. from them? Like, yeah. I remember, like, uh, breaking it off with this person and then feeling like... I wasn't able to listen to this type of music anymore because it wasn't, it was what they enjoyed or, mm-hmm. or like not feeling welcome in certain crowds because you that know, was their friends first. Their friends first. Yeah, and feeling like an intrusion, an imposter. I mean, I wrote when I had to break off one of like the person I really liked after four years, I said, um, you still have them within you or around you, the clothes you'll wear, the scent in your hair, their touch at your fingertip and language on your tongue. And who the hell were you before them? And you can taste them in your actions and in your humour. And when you are that close to someone, that even the words you use are the words they would use. I personally avoided being around people they knew because I was too embarrassed to be sounding too much like them. We spoke the same way. Yeah. And that's what happened. I completely relate. Yeah. Yeah. You, You have, like... I remember coming up into my room and I was like, well, at least in my room... It's all me, but actually, yeah. it was all her and everything that she'd given me over the years. Her handwriting was on the wall. It was just like everything was her, and so I had a massive identity crisis. But I, and that's what yeah. can happen when you but lose I yourself. Think especially when you've had so many experiences with someone, it's like when you're having a conversation about anything, you're obviously going to bring up your experiences. Mm. And so when that person has been in all your in experiences, all, it's always about them. Yeah. And how do you stop talking about them? Mm. I mean, yeah, like as much as <laughs> certain things are forbidden topics, <laughs> I'm trying to find out a way to say this. Like, for example, you, we don't really talk about him anymore, but you can still bring it up in yeah. memory and me not <laughs> fly into an absolute rage. Because <laughs> um, I'd be like, oh, because he exists as an almost character in her life and was very pivotal. So obviously you can't just erase everything mm-hmm. you ever had with him. And... It got us, actually, while we're thinking about this, thinking about this quote from this amazing artist or filmmaker or someone. Someone else quoted him, so I don't know who it was. But they said, love is whatever is left over when the love is burned out. 
And I think that is true of, of a session as well. And, you know, that part of sort of falling apart... <laughs> Don't touch me, you weirdo. <laughs> that... You're totally going to be able to hear this throughout the whole podcast. It's been scratching me. <laughs> Stay still, Miranda. I've been trying. I'm sorry. I love you, bush. Um, that experience of falling out of obsession is just as valid just as valid as the whole experience itself and you really shouldn't dismiss it because that is the place where you'll find yourself when you're disentangling yourself from something Mm -hmm. Um, and to add to that do you ever just stop to feel things physically like out of your head and into your body so when you see someone you really love I rarely acknowledge the bodily experience of that like the almost heat you feel in your body and that's something yeah i would this, like to feel more this well that's just adds on to what we were saying earlier about like allow yourself to feel things yeah take a moment to feel things what's the point if you don't it's like randy was fucking buzzing yesterday because <laughs> boy oh boy did she let herself uh, feel that yeah oh my god yeah to put this podcast in context this is my second day out of my two week quarantine <laughs> because i've just been quarantining with my family after being um, on holiday with them. So Leah's in my social bubble. I definitely don't have corona. Cause I've <laughs> yeah, really not bitch been ain't seen anyone. But she was. She definitely let her feel an entire, an entire salt or something. <laughs> but also, like today, I'm like a bit ashamed about it. Exactly. She came like, in. She was like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry for being." And I, I was like, "I was so chill, yesterday. I was so." I mean, there was a big protest about the. Uh, a levels fiasco, which thankfully part has partly been sorted out. There's still so much to be angry about, but we won't go into it. Um, so the atmosphere of being at a protest, as well as just seeing people and feeling that feeling of like being social with other people and seeing people that I know and love, and like being in the center of my town. It was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. She but was leaping from emotions of <laughs> I love it to I'm going to miss it so much when I go to London to all of these things. I remember saying, I was like, oh yeah, you'll miss it when you go to London, but feel it now. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, girl, you're already flipping from future to past to future to past when we never just sit still and just feel what the fuck we're feeling. And I put here, when it's over, especially an obsessive feeling you can never feel it the same way again. So my Downton Abbey obsession is sadly over, guys. Uh, the, the fine accounts are ended, but I and I can't feel as obsessed as I did with it. I love looking at obsession in hindsight. Mm. It's such an odd feeling. It's an odd feeling. But often, you know, if you don't let yourself feel that obsession, you'll never, you will never be able to feel it. Yeah. At least, or especially if you feel it constantly with shame, you'll look back on the obsession with shame. You take what you experienced with you and the memories of yourself of having it. I mean, that's the whole concept of compassion. Um, <laughs> um, to associate oneself with it fully. Um, the concept that humans always want to immortalise themselves. Yeah, immortalise themselves. Um, and the only realm in which a human can fully be perfect is in the imagination. Oh, yes, Do you remember? Yes. Um, and obsession is that sort of elevating substance to other realms of sensation. And it's the only place where a human can be a god. Kate Blanchett 
is probably your average middle-aged woman. Yes, she's phenomenal in many other ways, but she exists in so many minds as this sort of ethereal woman. I mean, I personally always think of her role as Galadriel in... And that really is like, she's just like a floating misty thing in Lord of the Rings. Um, But she can only be that in someone's imagination. I can only be as great as I wish I could be in my head, in other people's heads. Yeah, I think that we're like, we've got this thing about like, why are they so obsessed with me and stuff? But obviously, you know, if they're being creepy to you, that's like a different situation. But like, isn't it nice to think that you probably are living as a god in someone else's mind? In someone's, you know... That's something you'll never perception be you. in your little grubby little mortal body. <laughs> you ain't ever going to reach that realm. And it's the only way we can also see that. And then I was just thinking, you know, if our reality is just one form of perception of the world, we all have a common reality, which, you know, we all call this green. We all have that, you know, we call that red, even though we don't know. Oh, don't But we're not even going to go with that. But if we accept that perception as a real sort of tangible thing valid to feel and experience, then we should also not dismiss this whole other realm, which is the only realm in which we can perfect things. It's like the perfection of a film. There's obviously flaws in films, that's why we rate them. But that's sort of the only place where you can capture all the things that you want to see or you want someone else to see. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a powerful thing to be able to be obsessed with people. Um, but it's, yeah, it's fucking revolutionary to, to exist in that realm. And now let us, let us finish on radical empathy. A good place to start, finish and be in. Oh, yes. What a lovely. Radical empathy. We love her. We do love her. Um, so I'm going to use this quote from a TED talk. It was about the Philippines, I think. Um, again, don't remember the name. I'm awful at crediting people. I'm good at it on my spam account, though. Um, so they said, integrity, kindness, and strength of character are far better measures of judgment than that which is beyond the individual's control and under which I have written in capital letters with a lot of exclamation marks. Let us have radical empathy. And it's true. <laughs> you know, we... And we were also going to talk about the dangers of yeah you you have which to is draw why we're a line somewhere radical. i mean i i i don't think that i'm like you know the judge of all morality but like no. obviously there's a, a line to draw which we've addressed yes um as long and as we've not talked being a danger to others expressing it in other ways mm-hmm. i mean god if you're an obsessive person you can be as obsessive as you like you can be as intrusive as you like if you go and be a filmmaker <laughs> And not a stalker. <laughs> but it is interesting that we have... And it's like, you know, why are we why are we emphasising radical empathy? Because it saves people. It does. It redeems people. It makes them feel human again, if you just understand. And going back to what you were saying earlier about how embarrassment is probably the worst position that you can put someone in. Yes, we were saying, like, is... if someone comes to you with something they're obsessed with, and your first reaction it's disgust, it's, oh my God, I'm fearing for me and my children. And um, you will make them into a monster. Because again, if perception forms a reality, if in someone else's mind you know you're a monster, mm. you become a monster yourself in your yeah. head. Because you can't reject other people's. It's very hard to reject other people's. You don't have to like join some every fandom or anything no, like no, that. No. But just like respecting other people's... Um, other people's obsessions, other people's, like, loves, 
it's all part about it's all part of radical empathy mm-hmm. like my whole four year friendship only lasted so long because obviously there was a, a an un, imbalance imbalance mm-hmm. of love in that relationship <laughs> it's called unrequited baby um but um the only way that worked for so long was she was like i see where you're at she didn't i remember going up to her so many times and being like i'm such a freak i'm such a freak you don't feel the same way and I'm just like I'm in love with you and it's and I'm like she'd always just be like shut up you know I know where you're at I understand where you're at we're gonna work through it and it's not something to shrink away from Mm. that's just what it is and that is so especially since she was my first like I'm accepting myself for liking a same-sex sort of issue it was so important and it could have gone so differently and it probably would have scarred me for life so yeah, we just wanted to end on radical empathy because radical empathy has been a massive saving, saving savior thing for me. Saving grace. Saving grace. No, I was like, what the fuck do you call? Saving savior. Saving savior. Passive saving. Swooped like an eagle. Called like a baby. Um, and I'm sure it is for many others. This planet is obsessed with you. I love this plant, to be fair. If you've been able to hear this like scratchy noise throughout the podcast, I'm sorry, it's just Leah's cheese plant. Leah's cheese plant feeling the need to touch, touch me up. <laughs> <laughs> Do inappropriately invade Miranda's face. But it's okay. Um, it's okay, we do love him. We do. It's a him. It's called Ernest. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Misgendered. I'm My stomach really is sorry also contributing to this podcast. Shut up. <laughs> um, so yeah, we wanted to end on radical empathy, and y'all, y'all have it for each other. Our little, our little yeah. weens. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this one. I've enjoyed talking about. I have enjoyed talking about this one. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't judge us for the ex- obsessions we've released. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about it. Not sorry, sorry about it. <laughs> sorry about it. Um, and we hope to see you next week with whatever we come to you next week with. Um, but yeah. Thank stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> Wear a mask. <laughs> we love Brenda's you. like, no, I will go on with this message. Stay safe. <laughs> Lots of love. See ya. You've been listening to Political Correctness. We've been Randy and Leo. Thank you for tuning in. Find us on Instagram at Political Correctness. Until next week.